All right. How's everybody doing? Good. Glad to be uh, with you. Uh, grab your Bibles. If you have them, open to Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. While we're doing that, I, I wanted to uh, talk with you about uh, kind of a prompting I've, I've been having, um, and, and I'm just going to kind of go with, uh, after the uh, teaching, we're going to have a moment of response so that you can respond uh, to the teaching. And uh, 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 maybe God's going to be stirring in you. And, and as part of that, um, I, um, as I've been praying over the night and praying for you, um, I thought, man, there's a tub of water. And uh, we should definitely uh, invite anyone who feels like God is uh, prompting them to be baptized after the service. We have towels uh, for you. And if, don't, uh, if this is you, don't put your phone in the water. We ain't paying for it. Um, but, uh, um, but listen, let me, let's talk about that a little bit. Some of you, you know, those two questions, and, and you've been listening and watching and going, man, I, I don't know, maybe I should be doing that. Um, well, tonight might be a night uh, for you to do that. Uh, there's really, if you can say yes to those two questions, uh, do you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. I wanna, and, and do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Well, then you should be baptized. And if you haven't been, then tonight we'd love to invite you to do that. Really, it's between you and God. If you feel God stirring you, uh, then uh, we'd invite you to do that. And, and maybe for some of you, you said yes, but it was so long ago that you, that, and so much has changed, or maybe you, you went away and came back, or you were baptized as an infant, it wasn't really your decision, someone else kind of made that choice for you, but now you're going, you know what, I think I'm ready to go to declare that I'm going to follow Jesus. Then, then uh, the tub is open for you tonight, and... Um, and, uh, and so if you need to obey God, if you need to say yes to Jesus, we'll have that for you. Everyone else, there'll be a, uh, kind of a come forward type response. Does that make sense, you guys? All right. So I'd like to pray real quick and just ask God to speak clearly to us and speak clearly to you. And, and let's go from there. Let's pray together. So Father, uh, we just open our hearts to you. And just listen, wherever you're sitting, just tell God, God, I, I open my heart, my heart to you. I open myself to you. Whatever you want to do, I'm willing. I'm going to say yes before I know what you're inviting me to. And then, God, uh, uh, won't you speak to me tonight? Maybe tonight's more than just a sermon. Maybe tonight's more than just a, a sing some songs and, and, you know, a sermon and go out to dinner. Maybe, maybe God wants to move in your heart and in your, in your soul in a way. Maybe God wants to make a change. Maybe God wants you to get baptized. It's not between us and you. It's between you and God. But if God's stirring, I invite you to obey. And so we open ourselves to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It's going to be on the screen uh, behind me. Uh, here it is. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in what? Zeal. Let's say that again. Never be lacking in what? Zeal. The goal of my sermon tonight is simple. That you would be challenged to never lack zeal. That you would live up to this verse. You would, you would be inspired to live up to it. And never is kind of a big word in that, in that uh, verse, isn't it? Like it never is kind of tough. Like, like never, if you do something every now and then, then you can't say you never do it, right? Are you guys, come on, you guys, are you with me? Yeah. All right. 
If you did something even once, you can't say never. Actually, I looked up never in the dictionary. It means not at any time, not under any circumstance, and not in any condition, not ever. That's what it means. You knew that already. But to say you never do something requires a grit, doesn't it? It requires a strength. It requires a determination. It requires uh, strength, consistency. So let's just have uh, a little bit of fun with that. How many of you would say, just raise your hands, how many of you would say you got, uh, you're a good student? Raise your hands. Okay, so you with your hands raised. How many of you uh, never get bad grades? Never. See, it's different. Different group, right? You see that right there? All right. How many of you would say you're vegetarians? Raise your hand. A few of you. Two of you. One of you. A half of one. One and a half. You're, not, you're sort of interested. I don't know. Okay. And, and now you know the next question. You never eat meat. Ever. Ever. It's so good. Are you kidding me? Get her a burger. Um, it's delicious. It's delicious. It, you're, anyways, we, 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 let's talk after. Okay? It's a problem. How many of you would say that you're good drivers? Girls, come on. Let's just, that's adorable. That's, a, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm totally joking. Oh my gosh. Is that okay to say? Okay. Did that work? Okay. That was adorable, girls. Um, okay. How many of you never get a, you with your hand raised, how many of you never get a ticket? Ever. Yeah, none of my daughters can raise their hands for that. Listen, ever. Okay, that's pretty good drivers. I'm sorry, girls. That's how you alienate the room before you get started. Um, uh, I have very limited boundaries, and I apologize ahead of time for anything uh, that I say. Uh, like, like, never uh, is such a tough word. It almost only comes up in conversation when somebody's exaggerating. Like, I'm never going to graduate. He never talks to me. She never stops talking to me. <laughs> the actual never is pretty rare. Uh, one conversation uh, stood out to me. Uh, this was uh, a couple years back. I used to do some ultra running, uh, like long, long, long distance running. And, and uh, I was in a 50-mile race uh, in the mountains of North Georgia, and we were, uh, we were running. It actually, um, side note, but important to me, whenever I tell the story, I ended up running 58 miles uh, because I got lost. Um, and and uh, early on in the race, too. Oh, it was demoralizing. It took about 14 hours, a little bit over 14 hours, uh, to, to complete the, the race. And in the middle of the race, uh, I was probably at like mile 35. You, you know, you're not going very fast. Um, I started running with a lady, and, and we're running together, and so we're just kind of talking about how we train. And she says, I run a mile every day, at least a mile every day, and I have since 2003. And in my head, I thought, no, you don't. No, you didn't. I said, what happens when you're sick? And she goes, I run a mile. I said, what happens when you're at the airport? She goes, I, yeah, I run a mile at the airport. I'll run, I'll run around the, the uh, thing. I said, and I just kept asking these kind of questions. And finally she said, you don't understand. I never miss. I run every day. I never miss. And then she like ran off. Because <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. That's not me. Like I was barely hanging on. She was like, okay, bye. 
And, and uh, she ran on. Never. Big word. And Paul, listen, and Paul, in that verse that we read, is challenging us to a level uh, of, of fervor for God, of zeal for God, that we can say, I ne- never lack zeal, not at any time, not at any circumstance, not under any condition, lack forward movement and energy for God and for the kingdom of Jesus. I mean, that's a big statement, right? I mean, that's a grit that very few people possess. Wouldn't you agree with that? That's a big statement. I, I, I was introduced to this verse when I was in college. Um, my wife and I got married uh, my junior year, uh, both of our junior year of college. Um, we were like, we're, this was our statement, we're going to be poor and it's going to be romantic. Um, and we, we were half right. Um, we were poor. Um, super poor. We were destitute poor. We were like, it was not romantic. And then uh, three months into um, uh, uh, being married, uh, we, we, uh, she got pregnant somehow. And, and uh, <laughs> so our senior year, we had a baby. Um, and so, I mean, literally, I'm telling you guys, to work out of the level of poverty we're in for us was, a, was unbelievable. We were janitors. We would get up at like 3 or 4 in the morning and do janitorial. Then I would get to class by like 7.30. I, I was taking, I got special uh, privilege to take 26 units uh, uh, my senior year so that I could graduate. Then I would go either build fences uh, where I was the low man on the fence building team, which meant I was digging post holes, uh, or I was an intern at the church, um, and that meant I was working into the night, and then I would come home, do homework, and go to bed uh, at about 11. And I was in the Marine Corps uh, Reserves at the time, so one week in a month, two weeks every year, I would, I would like be gone. All of that I was doing, and I remember I was driving home from janitorial, about to go to Greek class, and I, I, I told God, I said, God, this is just too much. It's overwhelming. I'm, I'm just going to stop pursuing you and chasing you and having my time with you. And uh, you get it. I'm busy. And so I get into Greek class, and the teacher says, hey, open your Bibles to Romans 12, 11. Never be lacking in zeal. And I went, dang it. And that was my introduction to this verse. That was my introduction to zeal 20 years ago, a little bit more, changed my whole life. And I want to talk to you about this. And I think this is so important. Listen, the ability, your ability to never lack zeal will be the difference between a life of rejoicing that you look back and go, I'm so glad at how I lived, or a life of regret where you are bitterly disappointed with how life turned out for you. And many of us struggle with zeal because we don't even understand what it is. Because we mistake zeal with passion. And we don't even talk about zeal. We just say the word passion a lot. Don't we? Say the word passion a lot. And passion and zeal are two different things. Okay? Passion and zeal are two different things. I want to describe it. Passion is excitement. Zeal is commitment. Okay? Two different things. Passion is rooted in your emotions. Zeal is rooted in your will. Passion is a feeling that you get for God. Zeal is a decision that you make for God. Passion is your heart for God. And zeal is your strength for God. Am I connecting with you? We live in a world that makes much of passion, don't we? 
Oh, we love to ride the highs. And it makes little of zeal. And Paul wrote this verse to right size. No, no, no. Never lack zeal. A heart for passion. Listen, a heart for God passion is not enough to build a life. It's not enough to build a spiritual life. You need a strength for God zeal. Passion is what a new believer has. Exciting. New. Zeal is what a lifelong follower has. Deep. Steady. Resolved. Already decided to follow. Passion is how you begin with Jesus. Zeal is how you finish with Jesus. Passion can raise its hands in worship, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But zeal says no to temptation when nobody's looking. It's just deeper. It's just more. Passion trusts God in the light. Zeal can trust God in the dark. When feelings fade and nothing makes sense and God isn't giving what you want, zeal is what carries you through because passion fades. Passion is like, in case you're not getting it, let me just like make it real life for you. Passion is what a newly dating couple has. So exciting. Oh my gosh. It's, anyways, I don't, why did I do that? I don't know. <laughs> zeal is what a couple has who's been married for 50 years. It's deeper. And we live in a world that makes much of the front end and ignores the back end of these relationships. True? Guys, true? Am I talking to myself up here? It's true, right? Listen, just stay with me. Passion gets you married and zeal keeps you married. And if you don't have zeal, your your, your relationships will just fall apart. Never be lacking in zeal. And listen, let me just keep talking. Because passion is rooted in your emotion, it's untrustworthy. Okay, connect that. Because emotions are untrustworthy. They wander. Do you notice that? Emotions wander. And when you base your life on your emotions, guess what? You wander. Because you're wandering with your emotions. And you become untrustworthy. People who base their life on passion, lack character. They lack follow-through. You can't count on them because they're doing whatever they feel like right now. Zeal is rooted in the will. It's a decision. It's a determination. It's a perseverance. Zeal stays committed when emo- whether emotions are there or not. People who are zealous are reliable, can-do-whatever-it-takes kind of people. And and. and just to be clear, I'm not saying passion's bad. I know we're in a, like a vice virtue, and I, I, really passion's not a vice. I just want to so elevate zeal that whenever you say the word passion, you really mean zeal. That's what I want. Mean zeal. Say passion. Don't get weird and be like, no, it's zeal, not passion. Don't, don't, be, a, don't be crazy. This is a big deal for how we live. You, listen, you can't never lack passion. Do you know that? You can't. How many of you would say sometimes you're more passionate for God than others? How many of you would say that? Raise your hands. Come on, all of you. Of course you are. It's an emotion. It comes and goes. I mean, wouldn't you say that there are times that you feel so close to God, you feel so connected, so deep, so locked in with God that you're like, I don't know that I'm ever going to sin again. <laughs> like, why would I? 
I have tasted and seen, and it is good, and I'm done. And then, a week later, right? You feel so distant, so disconnected, so far, so undone, that you don't know how you're ever going to make it back. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Isn't that true to your faith? Yeah, do you know why? Because you can't, because you can't never be lacking passion. It's an emotion. It happens to you. You don't decide it. Right? That's how you know when Paul said never lack zeal, he wasn't talking about a feeling. He was talking about something deeper, something more steady, something that actually lasts when passion comes and goes. And when you base your life on passion rather than zeal, you fall apart in what we call the B zone. Has anyone heard the B zone? This, uh, I want to talk about this here. I'm glad Austin's teaching you guys this. This is really, really important. I want to walk you through this real quick here. might be worth writing down. Um, all of life goes through three kind of cycles. You have the A zone, you have the B zone, and guess what you have next? C. You guys are so bright. Um, and and uh, all of life starts in the A zone. Everything new starts in the A zone, a new relationship. Like the A zone is super exciting, all kinds of possibilities, very few problems. A new relationship. Isn't a new relationship fun? A new car, a new job. Oh, I got a new job. It's so exciting. You go into it, you get into a new school, you pick a new major. Everything new is fun, right? New is new is a rush. It's so exciting. And and when you're in the A zone, you feel the the high of being in the A zone. Because it's a new car, it's a new gym membership. How many of you have ever got like a three-year gym membership? And it's just the rush of it, like, oh, this is cool. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to work out every day for three years. <laughs> right? The problem with all of life is none of the things we listed or anything else stays in the A zone. Have you noticed that? Nothing does. All of life moves to the B zone. Possibilities diminish, problems rise. A new car becomes a car. Right? It's just a car. Now it's my car. And then it becomes the old car that I drive. A new relationship? It's just a relationship. Problems, breakdowns, things. A new job? You're kidding me? My boss sucks. Right? And, and is there a perfect job? Is there a perfect job? No. You get into your job, it was all these possibilities to get in. You, you get into your three-year gym membership, and you're like, oh, my gosh. That's a long time. I saved like, like $2 a month for three years, and it felt like a deal. But man, 30 days in, I'm like, I don't know. Is it worth it? A lot of weird, weird people in the gym, right? And, and uh, all, everything, a new major becomes a major. A new school becomes the school I go to. And, and it, all the problems rise, and all the possibilities diminish, and it's right in the B zone when passion and zeal completely separate do you know what passion does? Passion goes and finds another A zone. Oh, I need a new relationship. My, my boyfriend is getting in the way of me and Jesus, so I should probably break up and start over with a new boy, right? Because that's the answer. That's a little close to home, huh? Jesus told me we should break up. If you don't like it, talk to him, right? 
<clears throat> you get a new job. You get a new, uh, you pick a new major. You just cycle through life. Oh, I go to the church, and my church wasn't what I thought, you know, wasn't perfect, so i got to pick a new church. And I just, Listen, some of us, if we're honest, we're just cycling and wandering through life. We're not building a life. We're wandering through life. And what we're doing is chasing the emotion of new, just like the new. Another new relationship, another new job, another new passion, another new thing. You can't build a life if you build your life on passion. See that? It will completely undo you. It will completely undo you. When you have zeal, what you, you're able to push through the difficulties to the C zone. And the C zone is when you actually rise up, you get the degree, you accomplish the membership. You know, here in the B zone, you get the three-year membership, and like a month in, you're like, this sucks. And then you buy like a bike, and you're like, I'm going to be a bike rider. And you do that for a little while, and then the bike's in your garage. And you got, like, like two years later, you got a bike in your garage, you got a bunch of weights in your garage, you got a gym membership, you drive by, and it makes you feel bad because you drive by the gym, and you're like, oh, I never go in there. And, and, <laughs> and everything, that's what life is, right? And, and, but the ability to follow through, to overcome, to persevere, See, this is, I have a heart for God. This is, I have strength for God. See the difference? Am I connecting with you guys? When you live your life based on passion, what happens is you enter the B zone and you think something went wrong. But nothing's wrong, it's just how life is. And because you think it's wrong, you chase another A zone and you end up just... Wandering through life from one thing after another after another. You really don't want a new, listen, you don't want a new relationship. You want another A zone. That's all. You want the rush of the new. Because that's what passion likes. Emotionally, it's charged. This is where I learned this lesson. Uh, I was talking to a 27-year-old guy uh, who had been in college for nine years without graduating. But had been there for nine years. And uh, this is going to hit close to home. Just listen up. Um, so I was talking to him, and I said, how'd you do it? Like, how, like that's a miracle. How'd you do it? And, and he said, well, I, you know, I graduated high school, and I thought I want to be an artist. So I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta, and I got, started taking classes. It was super awesome. About a year in, it got kind of boring. And I thought, maybe I should, you know, it got really hard. And I thought, maybe I should be a pastor which sounded easier than being an artist, right? Um, and and uh, so I went to, you know, the Bible college, and, man, it was really exciting and fun and spent some time there. About a year in, guess what happened? Got really hard. So guess what? Went to the next thing nine times. He had spent nine years of college and had gotten nowhere. And I thought to myself, he's just wandering through life. He loves the new. Just another relationship, just another career choice, just another thing. He's not building anything. He's just wandering. And I thought, man, if I could talk to a bunch of college kids, I'd talk about that. See, passion makes you a wanderer 
and zeal makes you a warrior. It makes you a warrior. God is not looking for spiritual wanderers who bounce from church to church to church and group to group to group and thing to thing to thing. Some of you, it's your whole spiritual life. You make a commitment to God, and you're like, ooh. And, and listen, the only reason you made a commitment is because it was emotionally charged. And then like a month into the commitment, it like fell apart. I couldn't live up. I overcommitted. You know, I'm never going to sin again, God. And about a month in, it all falls apart. And so you, you live, you know, some crazy way for a second. And then you're like, wait, 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 wait. I need to re-up. So I'm going to make a new big commitment. And you're just cycle spiritually. God can't build his kingdom on spiritual wanderers. He builds his kingdom on spiritual warriors. True. It takes a warrior to change the world. And I want to talk about that. You know, my wife and I, um, <clears throat> we actually started this ministry, um, gosh, back in what, Jen, 2002? I think it was 2002, uh, in our living room. Uh, we said, let's start a college ministry. And uh, so we did. We started it. And, and I, I, I was able to lead it. We were able to lead it for about 10 years. We led this ministry. Love this ministry. It's my favorite ministry. And, and uh, this thing started in my living room. By the time I, I was done, there was about five, 600 people uh, attending every week. We saw hundreds and hundreds of people baptized and, and called in the ministry and all of those things. But let me tell you, the first five years were not awesome, okay? It took months to get more than five people to come to this ministry, months at my house, cleaning up. My wife did, you know, I was at work, she cleaned, and then I, we would, uh, these five college kids would come, and they would destroy, five college kids destroy my house, and, and uh, we still, I, I kid you not, we had some punk kid carve either a figure eight or an infinity, infinity sign into our dinner table that we still eat at now. Um, <laughs> that's what this ministry did for us, and, and uh, <laughs> ruined our fridge, ruined our carpets, um, our neighbors thought we were running a cult out of our house. <laughs> it was two steps forward, three steps back for five years. I took, uh, I was offered a better job at the church and I said, I just, God can't let, leave me from this. I stayed in this thing and I, and I, I just, I'm telling you, it was not, it was not awesome. It was not the A zone for five years. And then after five years, it took off, at least numerically, and you, there's more to it than that, but, but, you know, the numbers started to show up. And then what was crazy is once we had that many kids, churches started calling me up, and, you know, pastors would want to come talk to me, and they'd say, Miles, how, like, we want to start a big college ministry at our church. How do you do it? And they're just looking for some snazzy little thing. And, and I would go, well, uh, let's just start with this. Do you have 10 years? Because if you don't have 10 years, I don't know how to build anything. So if you're thinking that in, in half a summer you can just blow this thing out and it's a big old thing, I don't know how to do that. Maybe you do, but I, that's not what God did with me. It took zeal, determination, going through seasons where it just was miserable to make this ministry what it was. And there was many of us that enjoyed the misery. It wasn't just us, but listen... Passion did not make this thing. Zeal made this thing. Does that make sense to you? If you're going to 
be used by God to build his kingdom, by Jesus' kingdom somewhere, I'm telling you, it's not going to be passion that gets you there. It's going to be zeal. See, A-zone passion will fire you up for a vision. But C-zone zeal will work long hours with limited affirmation and no success to actually change the world. Zeal is what changes the world. Passion never has. Excitement never changed the world. Commitment changed the world. And that's why Paul is telling the church there in Rome, never, never lack zeal, not at any time, not under any circumstance, not in any condition, lack zeal. Does that make sense to you guys? Does that work for you? Good. I hate to say say the whole thing again. Um, Here's what I want to do. I want to talk about three different arenas where you should never lack zeal. And, and I'm just going to give three questions and, and let God, you know, kind of work in your heart. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, and, and just let God, and again, I'm going to invite you to respond uh, to this. And, and I'm telling you, zeal is a, a big deal. So let's, let's go after it. Here's the first one. Uh, how zealous are you for the presence of God in your life? It's a great question. How zealous are you for the presence of God? Not how zealous did you used to be. Not how zealous do you hope you would be. But these days, how zealous have you been for the presence of God? Here's a a thought. Do you know that you're as close to God as you choose to be? Do you know that? You're as close to God as you choose to be. You may not be as close to God as you want to be, but you're as close as you choose to be. Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross is he removed every obstacle between you and God except your lack of desire. That's the only obstacle left is desire, is zeal, is your ability to keep coming after God. It's the one thing left. You're as close to him as you choose to be. And if you have the absence of zeal, what the Bible calls that is lukewarm. At a distance and comfortable. At a distance and comfortable is lukewarm. And it can happen to anyone. I was in Israel several years back, and... and uh, um, one of the, you know, we were touring Israel, and one of the things I was super excited to see was the Wailing Wall. Do you, do you guys know what that is? You ever heard of that? The Wailing Wall. The Wailing Wall is, uh, it's, it's part of the temple, and it's as close as the, the, you know, there's the Jewish side and the Muslim side. It's as close as the Jews can get to, the, to what they would call the Holy of Holies, which is where they believe the actual presence of God is. It's as close as they can get, because the Holy of Holies is on the Muslim side, and if the Jews go there, World War III is going to break out. So they go right up to the Wailing Wall, which is right on the other side is the, is the Holy of Holies, and they'll pray right there and beg that God would get them into the, into the holy place uh, back. And, and uh, so I was really looking forward to checking it out and seeing what that like. And, and uh, as, as we were going there, our tour guide kept calling it the Western Wall. Well, we'll take you by the Western Wall and the Western Wall and the Western Wall. And, I, and finally it was bothering me, so I said, hey, man, why are you calling it the Western Wall? I've heard it was the Wailing Wall. And the Jews go there and wail, and he goes, yeah, man, they just don't come anymore. The Jews don't go there. Only the really orthodox, only like a small, small group of orally orthodox Jews even care about that anymore. Did you catch that? The Jews stopped caring about the most holy place. They stopped pining for the presence of God in their life. And they got comfortable at a distance. And uh, the tour guide said that I was taken back, not because of that, but because... 
I know that that was me. I, I, that was, when he said that, I was like, dang it, that's me. I've gotten comfortable at a distance, and I had to go and do business with God. And, and maybe that's you. You're supposed to be pining after, chasing after more of God, and you're just, meh, busy. Other things. How zealous are you for the presence of God? James wrote, if you draw near to God, what will God do? What will he do? He'll draw near to you, which means you're not waiting for God to do something. God's waiting for you to do something. Do you know that? You're not waiting for God. One day God's going to show up and make it. No, God's waiting for you. If you draw near, he draws near. You're not waiting for him. He's waiting for you. And if you would just draw near, all the benefits of, of God would be yours. I'm telling you, God... What Jesus Christ can do with the life, we just heard all these stories, right? They're unbelievable. What Jesus Christ can do with the life that will just draw near him is unreal. You know, he can take all your wounds and heal them. Do you know that? He can heal the deep soul level wounds inside of you in his presence if you would just draw near him. He can give you guidance. You ever wonder what you're supposed to do with your life? You don't have to wonder. Do you know that? God can give you wisdom and guidance. If you would just draw near, he can show you the way. That's what happens in his presence. He can give you strength to overcome sin. He can break down strongholds and lies that you believe, that you don't even know you believe. He can radically change your life in his presence. But you have to draw near. You have to be able to break through and keep chasing, and keep chasing, and keep chasing. It can't be just while you feel it, and then you don't, and then sometimes you do, and then sometimes you don't, and then sometimes you do. It takes zeal. You got to be a warrior. That's the second question. How zealous are you for God's church? How zealous are you for God's church? I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. But you know, in the Bible, David wrote, zeal for his house consumes me. Talking about the temple, really the center of activity, the, the church. How zealous are you for the church? I know that the church has fallen under bad, a bad name. Like, it's, it's pretty popular to criticize the church, isn't it? And, and uh, to dismiss the church, I guess. You know what? I've done this. I have. It's been me. I've done this for, for uh, before. And, and uh, do you know that God is jealous for his church? And God is zealous for his church, like a, bri- like a husband is for a bride. I don't want to say much about this. I just want to say this. Um, I, uh, I, I, I would invite you to, to, with God, be zealous and to love the church in all its forms. It doesn't have to be just like you like. I know sometimes big church, everyone thinks they're the devil. I don't know why, but, but sometimes people do that and, and whatever else. I just would say this. You don't have to, you don't have to find something wrong with the church just because it's not what you prefer. Can we just agree to that? You don't. I love the church in all its forms. I like the big church. I think it's great. I think it's wrong to say, well, they're shallow and, and they don't care about people. And I'm part of me is like, that's not even make sense. Like, how does a church get big if it doesn't care about people? Is it like, like Stockholm Syndrome where people feel forced, you know? And, and, and uh, anyways, um, I like the uh, medium-sized churches and home churches. I hope they win, all of them. I like the, the denominational churches and the non-denoms. They're awesome. I love the crazy charismatic churches with like fire on the side of the van. You know what I mean? 
they're super cool. Like, like the word fires in the title of the church four times. I love the super crunchy, can't move in the church. Who cares? I love it. I love the liturgical. They decided literally 2,000 years ago what would happen in the service church. And then I love the way granola hippie church that they don't even know what they're doing next. I love it all. Who cares? I want it all to win. It's a church. It's the bride of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. Let's have it all win. Right? You don't have to hate it just because it ain't what, what your, your personal preference. And I, I hope you, you invite that. And, and by the way, just a side note, I hate it when people say the church hurt me. And I get it. I understand. Bad things can happen in a church. But the church never hurts you. The church is the bride of Christ. A person hurts you. The church didn't. A person, a people. The church is the bride of Christ. It hurts no one. It helps everyone. It's the keeper of the gospel. It's the best thing going on earth. That's why I would give all my time, all my treasure, all my energy, all my talents. I give everything I have to the church. When I get dead, I will have been bled out for the church. And I'm happy about that. I'm zealous for this thing. I want it to work. All right, last. I got to end up here. How zealous are you for the lost? How zealous are you for people far from God? You know, Jesus, in John chapter 4, the disciples and Jesus were hungry. And uh, the disciples went into town to get something to eat. And Jesus went to a well to change a, a woman's life. And, and the disciples came back to Jesus. And they said, uh, they said um, hey, did you get some food? Do you know what Jesus said? I have food you know nothing about. Can you imagine that? And because he's changing this woman's life, he's saying, it's like food to me. That's zeal. And they're like, I don't know what, what he's talking about. And finally, he said, this right here, this interaction is like food to me. Zealous. Oh, my gosh. I get, because of my job, I get to talk to a lot of pastors uh, really all over the world. And, and I'm telling you, many, 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 many pastors lose their heart for the lost. They lose their zeal for the lost. And it's a sad, sad thing. Because they're just doing, they're just cranking out the machine, doing services, doing things, but it's not, it's not for the lost. So here's what I want to do. I want to share with you the story of the, of the uh, first time I ever led somebody to Christ. Because it's got to matter. You got you to know this stuff. So it was less than two months into me being a Christian. I was, uh, it was in college when I became a Christian. And two months in, I was sitting in the, the student center uh, at my college and it was the first time I felt like God say to do something. And there was some guy over there sitting at another table by himself. And God I felt like God said, you need to tell him about Jesus. And I was like, I ain't going to do that. That's weird. And, and uh, you know, I'm not, it's not for me. I'm too new and, and everything else. And, and, uh, but he wouldn't let it go. And, 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 but I was just resisting. I'm like, I ain't going to do it. And finally the guy got up and walked out. And I was like, sweet. And then I was like, oh, gosh, what if he, like, dies, you know, and I was his chance? Like, what if, what if I'm super morbid, right? And, like, what if, it's, what if I'm his one chance and I missed it? And so I'm like, I prayed a prayer, not because I thought it would work. I just thought it would make me feel better. And I said, God, if you want me to share Christ with him, have him come back in and sit down, and I'll tell him. And guess what? He walked in and sat down. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so I went and, and uh, talked to him, and I, I, I'm like, hey, you mind if I sit here? And, you know, so weird. And... And I said, hey, where'd you go? He goes, well, I was walking off to class, and I realized it was the wrong day for my class, so I came back to do more work. I was like, okay, God. And, and uh, 
God can do that, right? So then I was like, hey, man, would you ever uh, want to hear about Jesus? And he goes, you know, I've been wanting to know about Jesus. And now I was in real trouble because I, I had only been a, listen, guys, I had only been a Christian for two months. I didn't know what to do next. And so I, I promise you, I gave the most backwards, false, not true version of the gospel that is possible. I'm sure, I, like, I was quoting Star Wars and, <laughs> and, like, you know, like, don't eat carbs after nine, probably is good, you know, thrown in, just, just all Yoda, whatever. It was just, like, stuff, just stuff. And I got done talking. I said, you want that? And he goes, I do. And we prayed in that cafeteria, in that uh, student center. We prayed for him to receive Christ. And then I got out of there. <laughs> I did. Again, and I avoided him the rest of the semester. I never, I didn't, I just avoided him because I knew he was one I want to talk. I had already was making stuff up, right? And, and so I got out of there and, and uh, like I didn't see him for two years later. And two years later, I was at a wedding. And he was the guy doing tech at the wedding. And he came up to me and he goes, do you remember me? And I go, yeah, I remember you. He's like, I looked for you that whole semester. And I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. That's, that's bad. And he said, that day, that day in the, in the student center, when you told me about Jesus, it changed my whole life. And I, I walked out of there and I found myself a church and got myself into community and got myself into Bible studies. And I, 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 it's changed everything about my whole life. And I just wanted to say thank you for what you did that day. Guys, can I tell you, that can't get old. That can never get old. That's why we're here. That's who we are. That's who you are. God is calling you to walk across rooms. And that can never, ever, ever get old to you. You got to have zeal for the lost. Once you lose zeal for the lost, all of this becomes mundane. You forget. It just becomes church and not a radical mission to change the world. And that's just not enough. Your faith can't handle that. It'll get stale. So never, never not under any circumstance, not in any condition, not ever lose zeal. It's the difference between a life of rejoicing and a life of regret. I told you we're going to do a, a response at the end of the service, and, and so I'd like to do that. And Because I know that many of you are sitting there and going, man, I, I, man, what you just described is me. I'm a wanderer, and I need to become a spiritual warrior. I need to learn how to have some grit and to push through. And so what we're going to do is the band's going to come up. You guys can just come up, and, and uh, we can get this thing out of here. Maybe somebody can get this thing out of here, and the band can come up. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song uh, together. During the song, I'd invite you to come forward. Uh, and and uh, if, you, if you need to do business with God, if you need zeal, and you're tired of wandering around in passion, I'd invite you to come forward and just, and you pray and you do business with God. Are you guys connecting with me? You pray and you do business with God. It's not between us and you or anyone else and you, but if you know that you need it, you come forward and you pray.
And then there's, a, there's another group of you that I, I just want to talk to because you were watching people get baptized earlier and, you, and there was something in you that said, I don't know, maybe me. And the whole time we've been talking since I brought it up, you're like, dang it, the water's there. And uh, maybe me, maybe me, maybe me. Well, listen, if you can say yes to those two questions, it doesn't have to be anybody. It'd be a waste of water, but it doesn't have to be anybody. If you can say yes, I... I receive Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and I commit to follow. And if you've done that and never been baptized, then the, the water's there for you. And maybe that's what zeal would require of you. But whatever it is, why don't you guys all stand? Why don't you all stand? And, and listen, somebody will there will help you with your wallet, will help you with your keys. We'll, uh, we got a towel for you. If that's you, you just go stand over there and Alex, you can, you can take care of them. That, again, doesn't have to be anybody, but it's open for you if that's what God's leading you to do. And, and for the rest of us, we're going to sing this song. And if you need to do business with God here in the front, you just come down. You could even start now. Just, just, you just come down and, and you begin to pray and say, God, I need this zeal thing in my life. Passion is not enough. I'm tired of wandering around from thing to thing to thing. I need to grit. You just start coming forward. And you begin to kneel in the front here and you begin to pray. Ask God to change it from the inside out, if that's you. And I'll come up and I'll pray for you. And if somebody gets into that tank, will the, water, the, the uh, music will die down and we'll baptize somebody and we'll go on from there. So let's uh, honor God and just be obedient to him. Let's, let's worship well. So this is Tyler. Can you guys get up for Tyler? I mean, I just got two questions for you. One, do you trust Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins? I do. And do you commit to following him all the days of your life? No doubt. Well, then it is our, or it's my privilege and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
us. So, Father, thank you, uh, Lord, that you're zealous for us. That in every circumstance, every occasion, in every condition, you chase us, you love us, you adore us, you're for us, your kindness is leading us forward. You show us the way. We thank you for that, God. And I, Lord, we pray for those that have come forward. And, and uh, uh, God, we thank you for them. We pray that you would rise up zeal in them. Why don't you pray that over them? God, rise up zeal in them. And not just them, all of us. We all need this. Lord, make us zealous for your presence. We should never be okay. Lord, may we never be okay outside of your presence. That when we're growing distant, God, won't you make us uncomfortable? Make us zealous for your church, God, because you are in all its forms. And make us zealous, Lord, for the lost. Oh, God, won't you show us, teach us, grow us in how to reach our friends, our family, our coworkers? To be a light in a, what is often a very dark world. Won't you help us to do that and put it in us? God, what, what Jesus said is, I have food you know nothing about. God, won't you give us a taste? Show us what that means, that we could have a zeal, a, a zeal that many people know nothing about, but it's in us. And the young man that was baptized, that was awesome, right? That was so cool. Yeah, that's right. Pray. That, that, those two words, those two yeses would define his life. Your forgiveness would rest deep in his soul and you would make him follow you truthfully. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, if you're still wanting to stick around or still feel like uh, I still have to do business with God, there's still some things that I want to pray about or go over, you're more than welcome to stick around in this room to do that. But what an awesome night. Can you guys give it up for Miles once again just for coming in here?